Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is Pre-Market Prep. Hey, good morning, everyone. The whole gang is here. What's up, boys? How we doing? Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, after a big day yesterday, uh, and a big day on Friday, yeah. we're really not giving much back. Down four handles. This is called 4,500. Uh, we surpassed that 50% of the move yesterday. That was uh, 45,10.50. Let's just call it 4,500. And we're just hanging. So after such two big up days, you might expect to be given a little back. That is not the case. Uh, crude down 39 cents at uh, 87.76. Just kind of bunching up here near the high of the move. Uh, gold trading range gold up 11.40 at 1807.80. Silver in the green by more on a percentage basis up 58 cents at 22.97. Bitcoin we're just hanging out trying to get over 40k up 205 dollars at 38,690. Ethereum that's going up too. Just, you know, quietly going up, up 95.50 at 27.84. Well, Triple D, uh, we got that 50% retracement. Um, it was kind of a zig and a zag, and uh, but here we are. Yeah. Decision time. You're are right we at that point where we said if we came back to this point, it would be a good shorting opportunity. I think that's the way you have to approach it. Um Again, you know, it's a difficult market to call. Nobody knows anything. And, you know, two days ago, I felt like we were going to break down, and we did the exact opposite. We turned it around, and literally in not much more than, you know, a day and a half of trading, because we were down. Yeah, Friday morning we were down. We turned it around around 2 o'clock. We rallied 200 S&P handles. I mean, that's an incredible rally. We got Tom Lee on CNBC saying, we're going to see a violent rally in February. I think Tom Lee needs to look at what just happened because we just had a 5% rally in a matter of a day and a half. That's pretty violent. So I don't know what he's saying. Maybe he's thinking it's going to get more violent, but I look at this market and think, holy mackerel, that was a violent rally. Short squeeze, whatever you yeah. want to call it. I think it was a little bit of a short squeeze as well. Um, 
violent rally. So are you buying dips? They're always buying dips. Are you buying rips? I'm never buying rips. So um, I definitely missed this move. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, there's always another move to be in, to, to be made. And I think every like yesterday morning, it was like, okay, all right, we're 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 just gonna we're just gonna go back. We're we're gonna give it back. That's you know. And I think everyone was postured like that. And then off the yep. open, it, it did. It it, went, it gave you a nut. You're like, wow, yeah, we are gonna go under forty four hundred. And then, I mean, it just when they, everyone gets lean in one way, and everyone thinks they know something. You know, have a feel. Yeah. Uh, the market, yeah, it, it right That's there. What it does. It tries to punish the maximum amount of participants. And I guess everybody bearish two days ago. Well, you know, everybody's bullish all of a sudden. So, you know, Kramer's on there tooting the horn, the bottom's in, you know, buying growth names. I don't want to chase things. I mean, so you look here and you think, I missed it. I got to buy something. I got to buy something. This is not Kansas anymore. I think you're going to get another chance. I don't know if you're going to get a chance right at those lows, but are you going to get another dip to buy? Yeah, you're going to get another dip to buy. You're going to get opportunities to get back in. Did we see the low, the low? Nobody knows that. Is 420 going to be the low of the year? Nobody knows that. We don't have the answer to that. But, you know, the evidence would say that we likely try to revisit at some point in time because, one, we're still, you know, in a tightening bias from the Fed, which is what started this problem. Two, the Russia problems aren't fixed. Three, inflation problems still isn't fixed. It's a simply, it's a really violent snapback rally, which happens all the time. So is this the low on some of these Kathy names that are so beat up? It's possible because they are really oversold. I mean, some of these growth names that have been leading the charge, we've been talking about them being very, very oversold, and they are. I mean, if you shorten Kathy ARKK at 64 when it was $100 a month, that was down 30% in a month. So it was overdone. So now, is this the low? Do I got to buy it here? Well, we just rallied 10% in two days on ARKK. More than 10%. 64, 76, 12 on 64. We just rallied 15% in two days. It's The name of the game is not buy the rep. So I'll just say I missed it. I'll wait for another opportunity to get in. That's how I'm approaching it. What, what about the stat I read off the off the hop there? Best two day finish for the nat two day finish to the month for the Nasdaq since October of eighty seven. Pretty wild stuff. It, it was a a very ugly month finished by yeah. a very solid bounce. You know, so, yeah, a, a but, solid bounce and the and right to the fifty percent retracement on the spy. So if you're sitting in all cash, are you putting? I'm I'm waiting for a dip to deploy cash. If you're sitting with a hundred percent stocks or on margin. I am selling stocks as fast as I can. So it all depends on what your long-term positioning is. As a trader, we're always buying dips, selling reps, playing shop, playing inefficiencies. There's all kinds of day trades all the time. You know, shorts, longs, all kinds of trades. But as an investor here, it's all about how you're positioning. You know, as a long-term, you know, 25-year time horizon, you're probably, if you're a young guy, you're probably mostly in the markets. But there's a lot of people who have been sitting on margin. I mean, this is an opportunity. That's a whole different up. story. That that's a but whole this, different. But I'm saying yeah, to those yeah, people, no, you're, you're right. You're I, right. I, I don't know if I'm right. Maybe it's just going to rip to new all-time highs. But to those people, I don't think you want to be on margin in this, like invested on margin in this environment. And you just got a beautiful snapback in so many of these names. Um, I think you use that opportunity to lighten up. If you're, it, so it all depends on your own positioning. 
when uh you know Spencer, you made that comment about the best uh best two day finish since eighty seven. Well, yeah. not too many people are around to remember that like me. But uh, you know, that was just coming off, you know, just a violent, right? The crack, yeah. right. Yeah. But what what was the rally in Apple and Microsoft based on? Uh are you implying fundamentals? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if well, you Apple was earnings. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, was Microsoft. They said, yeah, both those yep. companies reported fine earnings and we still were trying to beat up Microsoft and Apple was really the catalyst. We talked about this yesterday. Yep. Was it held on? It kept holding on and didn't want to come in. It didn't want to come in. And then they turned around and ripped it higher. So Apple was really the catalyst to get us out of this. We're going to get lots more earnings. Yeah. Week. I mean, big names tonight, Google, AMD oh, yeah. is going to report. PayPal is going to report. Uh, General Motors is going to report Wednesday, Facebook, you know, Thursday, we're going to hear from Amazon and Snapchat, and we're going to hear from um, Unity Software. If you like the smaller stuff, we're going to hear from Ford. So we have big, big, big names reporting this week. It's going to be an exciting week for earnings. There's going to be lots of opportunities here. So um, as traders, you know, there's going to be lots of good trading opportunities as long term investors. I need a dip to start redeploying cash. We know I bought five. I brought my like long-term portfolio. We know that I brought it from 45% cash to 35% cash. I bought some stocks on the dips. Um, and wanna, you know the uh, stocks that I bought. Square. I wanna, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. You bought yeah, Square. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. I'm still sitting with a lot of cash, though. So am I waiting for another dip to deploy some of that? Yeah. Am I bringing myself to 100% invest in this market? No. I'm gonna, I always have some cash, and I really feel like, you know, I want to have dry powder in case it really starts to get ugly. And we don't know. Nobody knows anything. So you just have to be prepared for all scenarios. I, I want to take stock here. Before we go to the individual names, I want to just look okay. back at January and take stock of the winners and the losers. I got this really great chart from Bespoke Investment Group. They do some amazing research. Let me know if it's too small and make it bigger. Uh, this is the performance of a bunch of asset classes. The left column is the last two days. The middle column is the last week. And the right column is the whole month of January. Just look for the red. Look for the green. What jumps out to you? Well, obviously, you see some green in Ethereum the last two days. Ethereum was ridiculous. Uh, but overall, you see mostly yellowish, which means down slightly to up slightly. You, you don't see a ton of deep red because we had that rally the last two days. You don't see really hardly any deep green with the exception of like natural gas had a great month, right? Natty gas had a great month. Oil had a really good month. Uh, and then you have some emerging markets like Brazil had a really good month. Um, but by and large, it was it was mostly a tough month. Uh, across the board, uh, energy was your only sector. I'm sorry, energy and, and banks were your only sectors that closed up for the month, and banks were up 0.03%. So basically flat. It was an uh, ugly month for value, too, because we started the month so strong in value. You can bring up Berkshire Hathaway, BRK.B, yeah. obviously, and it was up 8% in the first two weeks. And yep. then they pulled the rug out from everything and they hammered it down. Now it has bounced with the market. Everything has bounced back to a certain extent, but the banks follow that lead as well. They had the huge first couple of weeks. Then they pulled the rug out from under it. Um, I think you are looking at value names on the dips. AT&T, where it's going to be a nice segue into that, is not one of them I'm looking for. Um, but you know, I think you know, balanced portfolio going forward is a good approach. 
Yeah. And uh, just one other thing I just wanted to add too for, you know, so goes January, so goes the market. You know, who knows if that's going to hold up for this year. But also at the beginning of the month, uh, um, you know, there was there was a lot of tax loss selling right in December and ev- everyone was positioned for the January, you know, rally in, you know, in the in the gross tax. That certainly didn't happen. So everyone was positioned wrong from that. And then you had people that didn't want to pay. Oh, I'm not going to sell and and pay my, you know, I want to sell in January and sit on that money, you know, before I pay the taxes. So, you know, maybe we're just having a delayed effect, you know, maybe, you know, those factors continue. And also there was like so much Fed talk. You know, uh, you know, rates going up, you know, two, three, whatever, you know, eight, eight hikes this year. I mean, so much Fed speak. Now that's kind of calmed down a little bit. You know, everyone is repositioned here. So we'll see. I think the next couple of days are important. But the thing that, that is comforting, not comforting, but the thing that I find solace in is that the reason Apple went up and the reason Microsoft went up was because of earnings. Is the earnings topping out? This is as good as it gets. We don't know. But Right now, the market's respecting the fundamentals. Yeah, it is. So, and the last thing I want to add: Dennis uses Berkshire Hathaway as his proxy for value. You can look here uh, at you know the the S and P five hundred value, the IVE versus the IVW, which is growth. It was still a better month for value than it was for growth. Don't act like it wasn't. The S and P five hundred value closed down one point six percent. The S and P growth closed down almost eight and a half percent. So. Value did outperform, but it was nothing like it was in the first half of the month. So um, you can just look at the last two days and see the, the massive outperformance from growth uh, the last couple of days. So I thought that chart was good. It just goes to show who who won and who lost in January. It really kind of was a, a tale of two markets. You had the first yeah. 28 days and then the last two days, right? It's a completely different story. But it, it um, made The last two days made the market not feel so bad. Yeah, it, it really did. And it made a lot. And, and you can see it last night. You could see retail getting life here again. The apes are out there today because AMC gave some guidance. So it's ripping oh, yeah. this morning, too. I mean, everybody's happy this morning. You know, yeah. this is a market that want. this is a, 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 a retail driven market, really, that is basically long only. So, you know, when the market goes up, everybody is happy. It's feeling it. I mean, CNBC, we had um, SI on CNBC last night. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen much reaction to stocks being featured on Mad Money for the last month because stocks have been going down so much. Retail just doesn't have the dry powder. All of a sudden, FOMO is back. Retail FOMO is back. Silvergate Capital featured on Mad Money last night rips up 10% because, oh, well, Kramer's talking about this one. Blockchain, everything we like. You know, so, I mean, you can see that. And, and to a certain extent, that's a good thing, you know, that the markets, you know, because you know, obviously we want lots of participation. We want people to make money. So, you know, people are feeling good again. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I had up next on the list. I had earnings. But if you want, we can go to the AT&T thing first and go back to the earnings. Uh, I think so. Let's go to AT&T right. because it is your big loser of the day. It's the market that prices in absolutely nothing. It's the market <laughs> that forgets what we told me yesterday. We knew the dividend was getting cut. We've talked about on this show a bunch of times about the dividend getting cut. Here this morning is the reaction. Oh, my gosh. They're cutting the dividend at AT&T. Well, if you listen to pre-market prep for the last year, you knew it was coming. It finally came, and the stock is getting hammered for it. 
one second. Some people in the chat are saying uh, we got we lost our audio, so we're working on that right now. Um, but uh, who's saying that? So a couple no people in the chat audio? saying we lost our audio, but well, I I think that's uh, calm me out. I think yeah, no, like, those two people. Once there's more, hold on, Mitch, are we good? I don't think we're losing audio. At least on my I side. I think we're good. Okay, no, we're good. James, we're good. Right. good. Okay, okay. Eighteen T spinoff. So this was a this was a deal that was again. I was right. This was already announced, right? Eighteen T is was spinning off uh, Warner yeah. Media, and they're yeah. merging yeah. that with a new company. They're, they're going to create a new company with Discovery, right? So the the news this morning is that the board approved the deal, and we actually have some numbers here. So the bottom line is, uh, again, Eighteen T spinning off uh, uh, the Warner Media, which is. Which is HBO and 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 all that all that good stuff. Um, as part of that transaction, uh, AT&T shareholders will receive a uh, a dividend uh, of one dollar and eleven cents per share. That's the new dividend, one dollar and eleven cents. That is which AT&T, brings the yield. To, that is AT&T's new dividend. Yeah, so the yield is no longer going to be eight point seven five percent. They're cutting it in half, basically, which they had already told which they already they said, yeah, do. right. But this is the market that doesn't realize anything, Joel. It's the market that is so, you know, headline driven. They forget the headline from yesterday. It's the market that doesn't price things in. It doesn't price in simplicity. Yes, we knew this. We've talked about this. We knew the dividend was going away. A lot of people invest in the stock probably didn't. It, honestly, they're probably like looking at this and how can I go around with 8.75%? Every time somebody would ask me that question in the last year, which I probably got that question at least a dozen times, people reaching out, what do you think of the 8% dividend in at and I was like, well, it's actually 4% because they're cutting it. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. I mean, here's the market's reaction. Oh, the market didn't know it. Like it, it's, it's, it, we, we know it. It's been said, but the market is so stupid, doesn't price it in, yep. down 6%. So that is why it is down. It's down because they're cutting the dividend and it's official. Maybe the people thought that they were going to back off and they weren't going to cut it. No, they cut it. So yield, I think, goes to 4.8% if my math is doing everything right here. Um, it's just dropped a little bit more, so it's maybe a little bit higher than that. But, I mean, here we are. We're back down near the lows. The ridiculous rally that we had in it in the beginning, which I was very bearish on that rally. So I'm correct on this one. I've been wrong on a lot of stuff. Correct on this one. Is now gone. Stock's at 23.5 um, is where you got some support. Does it bounce out of that 23.5? That's the question. I'll throw it to you, Joel. Yeah, very important uh, because after it got the shellacked after earnings and made a 23.56 low, you haven't gotten quite there yet from just uh, you know a technical basis here. If you hold in here and mount a rally, then you know that's a good thing. If not, it's just what's under there is just kind of scary, right? Because you had those big up days. I know this was an upgrade at TNT. I mean, you know, it's still a higher dividend than you know a lot of other other stocks but certainly not the juicy dividend that you had uh but let's see what happens you haven't taken out that 2356 yet so that's what i'd be leaning on in at&t if you try uh, someone asked someone asked when is the deal close uh it's going to close in q2 when that happens all you at&t shareholders will receive um some some new shares. You're, you're going to get shares of this new company. The ticker is going to be WBD Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, AT&T shareholders will own the majority of that company. If you own Discovery, you will also get. Um, well, that ticker will change. Basically, is what's going to happen. And then you, but you're going to get this new company as part of that. So, um, well, you know what? All these years of paying the huge dividend and doing whatever they were doing hasn't worked out. Right. In any stretch of the imagination. So true. Yeah. Every deal that they've made, it hasn't done anything. So 
You know, and this goes back to the 90s when they bought NCR and then filed all the NCR management. This is nothing new. So is this is this the is this the moment of truth? Is this it for Doc? The turnaround so? story here. I, I hope I hope story? so. I'm I'm a small shareholder. I don't I'm, know because this is like, but this was the area. I mean, this is them officially throwing in the towel on Randall Stevenson's strategy. Finally, um, yes. Well, and and you know what what is uh what is HBO valued at? How could all these other Netflix and uh well Disney Plus has actually come in, but you know let's see some growth out of you know out of uh out well, of HBO. Well, Joel, 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 let's what, see some growth, Joel. Joel that's what they're spitting off. Yeah, so you don't get the growth. You're not going to get the. HBO. You're lose what the about that other company? You'll get that other company. Well, yeah, Maybe you she'll hold that. on to that one. But that's okay. not AT. That's, that's going to be the winner. That's yeah. what I'm going to be buying. I'm going to uh, buy more Well, of that's that. what you'll be getting. So maybe that's the <laughs> one you hold on to. But just my thought process sure. here is yeah. we're in an inflationary environment where it's cooking at 7% right now. Are we going to go back down to 6 or 5 Maybe. Are we going back down to below 4 I don't think so. I don't think we're ever below 4 if they really calculated it all correctly. But, I mean, you look here, AT&T, 4% dividend. You don't have the growth. Maybe you're going to get a little growth from the spinoff company. Right. But why do I want to sit? in a stock and collect a 4% dividend when I'm in a, a 7% inflationary environment in a stock with no growth. That's why I don't want to be in a stock like AT&T. Do I think it bounces today? I think it'll bounce at 23 and a half because it's just such a big level. It's a pretty big sell-off for AT&T. And like we said, this was known. So you're going to have some money managers probably coming in and saying, well, we knew this already. So yeah. is it really bad news? It's a 6% off. They're looking to deploy capital too. You got to think this other thing is that we're in a market environment that just ripped higher. They're looking for dips to buy. It's buy a widely owned stock. It sets up for a bounce <laughs> at 23 and a half. So I would say from a trading perspective, 23 and a half, I'm not putting in my long-term portfolio though. I don't think it gets there today. Well, we're down two and a half. I think we're going to test 23 and a half. Maybe not. Okay. Well, 24. Right. I mean, you're paying 24, you risk down to 23 and a half. You're only risking 50 cents. But I think there's a bounce potential here. But again, I'm not investing in this thing. I think when we look at AT&T a year from now, the stock is lower. Uh, let's do, go to a couple of earnings real fast. Uh, you know, we had a, some companies on the calendar and some companies just deciding to pre-report because they can. Uh, UPS was on the calendar. That stock is dramatically higher this morning. Their earnings came in well above the estimate. Three dollars and fifty-nine cents was their EPS versus a three-dollar wow, cent estimate. Their uh, sales for the quarter came in higher as well. They also gave some upbeat uh, sales guidance for the year. And oh, while we're at it, we're going to raise our dividend from a dollar and two cents a share to a dollar and fifty-two cents a share. <laughs> FedEx and UPS are still like these trucks show up at our doors every day, Joel. I mean, they're not going away. These businesses are good. These they, their valuations are reasonable. I mean, on dips, these are companies you do want to own. I'm not buying it up sixteen bucks. I'm not. I mean, if you if you were you know uh, distressed that you never sold this in the two eighteen to two twenty area, well, here's your chance. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it resistance there. If it's gonna break out, it's gonna break out. What's the nineteen forty five was the high this month? Twenty twenty four was last month. Nineteen fifty nine. I mean, that's the area. I'm not buying it either. I'm not shorting it either. But man, if you've been waiting. To get this at 218, 220 area, here's your opportunity. Spoo's are ripping, man. We're up four and a quarter, four miles. Attack. Yeah, attack is back. The Kathy names are ripping too here, you know. Like, the rally continues. It's full FOMO now, Joel. 
they're like, holy mackerel, ARKK just rallied 15%. I got to get in now. That's the way this market works. It sees the move and people chase. We always say don't chase on this show, but everybody does it. And that's what you're seeing here this morning. It's every stock that has had the crap kicked out of it is the ones that are trading higher this morning. I'm looking at my screen. It's all the stuff that's been really beat up. That's the relief rally. And all the stuff they've been hiding in, like even the consumer staples, even the AT&Ts to a certain extent, those are the stocks that are down this morning. So again, we just rallied 200 S&P points. I think we're going to get another shot. Nobody knows anything. Maybe we're just going to rip another 200 points. I mean, this market does crazy stuff. Maybe we're just going to continue to rip to the highs. I had multiple people reaching out to me that this you got to buy now because we're going to be back at the highs in a heartbeat. I don't see anything that's changed, so I'm not doing that. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do have to chase, but I am I tell you, I won't be chasing it. Uh, maybe we look at, uh, like, AMC as a proxy here. Because uh, they all, they on the one hand, they have, no, they have news, though. Like, they, they do that's have That's where we're at. Right. That, that That's such a good statement, Spencer, because that's really where we're at, is AMC has been a proxy for this growth-driven, retail-driven market for a long, long time. It's led the charge down. It bottomed two days ago with Kathy Woodstocks. It gets a good headline. It's ripping higher. And they're yeah. like, you know, the apes are right there. They're all over the place. This is it. This is the squeeze we've been waiting for. We're going to $60 next week. That's what's yeah. being said. I, mean, I see it in my timeline. You don't you don't pre-report your earnings unless they're unless everyone knows they're already bad, like Peloton. Or they're so good that you can't, you just can't contain yourself. And in this case, it was good, so good that they just couldn't contain themselves. So they reported uh, their revenues uh, for last quarter, uh, and their numbers did come in above the estimates here. They actually had a pretty good quarter. It seems like uh, better than how much uh, money did they make? Uh, yeah, the, I already want, know the answer. You want you, you want to look at the bottom line? I'm looking at top line. <laughs> We're back no, to that again. They, they did not make the money. They, they did not make money. No, it's <laughs> shocking. I would have thought with that Nicole Kidman commercial that they spent all the eight money on, that they would have made a lot of money last quarter. Shockingly, well, again, this is preliminary numbers, so maybe do we even have a bottom line? We have the revenue numbers. Uh, let's see. They, so they spent they... all that money on advertising. I literally saw that Nicole Kidman commercial continuously, and their sales jacked up 8% because of that. Yeah, I mean, okay, That's so, awesome. so they, they reported revenue and they, they reported, uh, yeah, a net loss for the first three for the three three months ending in December, a net loss of, uh, uh, what? They gave a range. That's weird. Okay, well, they gave a well, range it's preliminary of, numbers. So yeah, they all right. Figured okay. it out yet. So so they basically are saying we lost somewhere in the range of 114 to 195 million dollars last quarter. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's that's where we're at. But, they burned two hundred sixteen million dollars in cash. I mean, it was a, it was. I don't even know what to say on the stock anymore. Is it going to rip to twenty twenty five? Who knows? It goes wherever it wants to go. I, I said when the dust settles, it was fifty dollars. I gave a price target of ten. It almost got there. Got to thirteen. Um, now it's eighteen. That's a pretty rip roaring rally. I think. It is gets, a nice rally. I think if it gets to twenty, I think I'm selling it. But I'd be selling all rallies in AMC. But what do I know? I don't know nothing. Apparently, just like everyone else. 1888 you hit that uh twice and now you're peeling back so as always you got to get to 1888 you got to get 19 bid and then uh the next target would be closer to 20 2016 the longer it takes to take out that pre-market high 
then you might just, uh, I don't know if you'll see the top of yesterday's range at 16 and a quarter, but don't like the fact that it's, it's fading now. So that adds importance to that pre-market high of 1888. And uh, they're probably moving GME off this too, right? Uh, oh, yeah, for that's sure. Up, yeah, that's up four bucks. So we'll see. I mean, they, they, got a, they got a chance to get this thing going. I will say all these stocks have had huge technical bounces. Not saying AMC and GME, but go back to all the beaten down retail love names. On dips, you know, these things get interesting all of a sudden, you know, like like serious dips, not AMC and GME again. But, you know, you go into some of these that are really beaten up. Some of them maybe just got way overdone and way oversold. And there's probably some opportunities in here on the dip. But I don't want to buy the rip. I want to buy the dip because you know why I don't buy the rip? Because when we fall, inevitably, when we have this 500 down point day again on the Dow or, you know, 50 points on the S&P. Oh, yeah. Then you're getting stopped out of all this stuff. Right so away. that's why you, Where you want to be buying. So you're not getting stopped out when it dips. Because inevitably, nothing goes straight up. Yep. Uh, you want to look at XM Mobile real fast? Because they, sure. they, last I checked, they were higher. Are they still higher? Uh, oh, yeah, but they're off their pre market high. Uh, XM Mobile earnings this morning, kind of the last of the big. Uh, uh, energy names to report. Uh, earnings per share beat estimates. Sales did come in the white, mm. however. This is interesting because their earnings per share, the bottom line was good. $2.08 versus a buck 89 estimate. Top line sales missed $84.97 billion versus a $91.2 billion estimate. And they also announced a $10 billion stock buyback. Um, huh. I'm not sure what to make of that. Interesting. Big move, thick stock, new high of the move yeah. by almost a buck, 76.42. Uh, that was actually the high in yesterday's session, so I used that as support. And then, you know, the monthlies, you're finally above that, that January high. I'd say if you're looking for more on this, your July 2019 high, this is called 78 bucks. So, First things first, get up, hold, take out that pre-market high, 77 and a half. I imagine there's got to be some paper stacked up there at 78 since we haven't been there in what, uh, you know, two and a half years. So not buying it, but it actually just came down to the top of the range too. So keep an eye, 76.52 is potential support. 78, I bet you find a few sellers there if in fact you can take out the pre-market high. In the last earnings report that I really had on my radar was Cirrus Logic, CRUS. This one was ridiculous last night. So it was rip, yeah, huge Ouch. rip, huge rip, because they their earnings per share came in above estimates, their sales came in above estimates, and they gave some uh, some guidance above estimates. But then, I, but that was all that was in the release. Then the conference call came out. And I, I think, and, and I, didn't, I didn't listen, so I only read a recap of it. But the, the consensus seems to be like they're very nervous about Apple because this, this is an Apple supplier. They're nervous about Apple, uh, uh, you know, trying to control, uh, tighten up their margins, right? Which would affect their whole supply chain, like a serious logic. So, yeah. uh, wow, big, big reversal during the call. This is the market we're in. Like it's like so choppy, even trading individual stocks. And you look Look at at that chart there and you're like, holy mackerel. They ripped this up to 102 last night. Like from 89 to 102. They ripped it up $13. And they pulled the rug out from under it and absolutely tanked to 20 bucks. Down to 82, overshot it, and then it comes all the way back. I mean, 
Welcome <laughs> to 2022 trading, where it's all chop and slop and definitely difficult to call five minutes out, let alone five days or five weeks out. It's a difficult market to call. Wow, didn't quite get to that that low from Friday. So eighty, wow, eighty ninety eight. If you start to go into reverse, I you know what? I'm just gonna pass on this one. I, <laughs> After I, I, that, I, I, I think it's a good I, call I just to gotta, pass I don't on even it, know. Joel. What? I'm with you. I think it's a good call to pass on it. After I don't that, even know what to say. Ridiculous move. <laughs> I don't even. Know I'm what with to say. you, man. I'm taking a pass on this one too. <laughs> I'd say resist, maybe resistance at the close. That's about it. But that's besides that. I, I'm past. Next. Next. Um, all right. So, that, I, I mean, I know there is more on the earnings from, but those are the kind of the only three or four that were of interest. If you have more tickers, drop them in the chat. I'm writing them down for a ticker time segment at the end of the show. Don't worry. We preview a couple of these stocks. I mean, yeah. you've got, you know, going into the report, we got Google tonight. Oh, yeah. Let's, Joel, do a technical. I'm going to go grab the straddle just so we know what the expected move on is. That's okay, while you that's do a the good technical. idea. Yep, yep. Looking at uh, the G-O-O-G. I like the I G. Pick on because I don't like typing the L. Yeah, same here. <laughs> same here. One less symbol to type. Uh, well, I tell you, man, the way the tech earnings have been coming out, I mean, you got to expect us something good, some maybe crazy number out of the YouTube. So that's what I'm looking at. You've had you've had a nice move up here. I'll just say basis the daily charts. I'm not going to do a retracement on this one. I I call support or resistance at 2850, which you know that's 120 bucks away. You can yeah. actually see that two highs. Uh, you know, and then if they don't like the report. I think on a dip, I think you're going to find buyers here just because it's Google. And I would say, I mean, you got to pair lows. I'll go wide, 25.75. That's my predicted range, 25.75 to 28.50. I'm sure the straddle's not that big. <laughs> Guess Which, what the what? straddle is. Guess it. Um, I guess it's uh-huh. a $2,000 stock. Okay. Relative. 150. No, oh, you're really close, Joel. It was a good guess. 134 bucks. I, I got I got 137, but whatever. <laughs> well, it's because it's a moving target, yeah. right? So the the options are wide. So when he's trying to zero in on a two thousand dollar stock and the options aren't even open, you're gonna be 30, 134, 135, 136. A big move. I I think that's gonna stay within the expected move. So you knock 135 bucks off this thing, it would bring you down to the 2580, and dip buyers would probably be all over it if you rally 135 bucks. I think you're going to probably find resistance up that 2863. So it actually sets up well to probably rate the straddle. But I've done that before and been really murdered. So <laughs> <laughs> proceed with caution when you write naked straddles. <laughs> yeah. What else? What else do we got? What, uh, what no, else here, let's do this. It's 834. Let's go to our guest. I, I see her okay. here backstage. Okay. Uh, hey, new guest, everyone. It's exciting. We don't we like get new, new guests. guests on all the time. Cameron Dawson is a chief market strategist at Fieldpoint Private. Let's bring Cameron on the show. Cameron, good morning. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome, welcome to our show. Well, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. All right. First uh, question, non-market related. Oh boy. Okay. How was the Michael Andrews concert? 
Oh, it was the best. So backstory is that I took my grandmother to a Sinatra themed concert back last week and it was amazing. Uh, the best thing ever. So highly recommend. Okay. I just, I was thinking about that because I was going to have you on a Friday. You said, I'm taking my grandma to a concert. I'm like, I can't interrupt her taking her grandma to a concert. So good. I'm glad to hear that. All right. So I love the, the top of your statement. We're not in Oz anymore. So what, yep. when, where are we? Well, where are we then? <laughs> <laughs> we think we look a little bit more like Kansas, meaning it's austere, it's black and white. It's not that technicolor dreamland of super normal returns that we've been in for the past couple of years. And the reason we think that is that we're moving into a much tighter liquidity environment. We've been in an incredibly accommodative liquidity environment for really the past three years. Let's not forget the Fed cut interest rates in 2019, stayed very easy, doubled down on easiness in 2020 during the pandemic, and then stayed easy through 2021. So we are just now starting to enter a period of tighter liquidity that we haven't seen since 2018. And so we think that results in tighter financial conditions, uh, lower valuations, higher credit spreads, more volatility. And it really is just beginning. The Fed still has interest rates at zero. It's still growing the balance sheet by a 20% clip on a year-over-year basis. They're still buying $100 billion of, of debt to expand the balance sheet. So, yes, we've seen volatility, but it's just now starting to work its way through. So, so what's next for this market? I mean, we saw a wicked sell off in early January, but a nice bounce the last couple of days. And that's giving everybody a lot of hope that, hey, you know, maybe the worst is behind us. What do you think, Cameron? So we certainly saw oversold conditions emerge at the end of last week. And the bounce that we've seen over the past couple of days supports the fact that that we're moving out of that oversold condition. And we really can't decide or judge the the ability to say we should be selling rallies or buying dips until we see the health and magnitude and speed and volume of this bounce. But when we look and zoom out longer term, we don't think that we're really out of the woods yet to say that we're going to return to this up and to the right unflinching rally that we've seen over the past, let's call it 20 months. And that's because of that tighter liquidity environment. So we think we have to get used to this volatility. We might be able to see more of a, of a continued bounce in names because like, like we said, we're, we were so oversold going into the end of last week. But to go back to the conditions where we were pre this, this correction, we see is very unlikely. So we think that we can make up some of the ground that we lost, but we likely chop sideways from here instead of returning to that that straight up into the right rally. Yeah, Cameron, I, I want to pull up these charts here. Hold on. Uh, you asked, is it uh, time to back off the truck in the S&P <laughs> or the NASDAQ? And so the answer seems to be inconclusive. Yes. Yes. So definitely for the S&P inconclusive, we're certainly not seeing the kind of flush that you typically associate with really big generational buying opportunities. You think times like 2003, 2009, 16, 18, 20, all of those times saw that that measurement of the percentage of names under uh, above their 200 day moving average far, far lower. That gold line on the bottom is the 95th percentile. And so we really like 
like to see in order to get to that back up the truck, just buy everything, close your eyes and buy, doesn't matter what the news flow says. We'd like to see that a lot lower than the reading that we're seeing today. We're in that neutral territory. On the NASDAQ, it actually looks a little bit more interesting in the sense that you've seen a greater sell-off, more flush of the names. But because of this tighter liquidity environment that we're going into, we have to remember, you can still see rallies, big rallies within longer term bear markets. We go back to the 2000, 2003 period. I think I have that, that chart in the deck and you can see a, a total of, of five big, huge rallies over the course of that nearly 80% bear market where you got as high as almost 50% of a rally. So we really have to be disciplined here and very nimble in our trading because if we're seeing signs that the rally is starting to lose steam, it might, you can make a lot of money in the very near term, but we could see things start to roll over and a correction continue to ensue. So, you know, it, it, it requires discipline to not be drawn into some of these rallies, even if they're large, mostly for the areas of the market that have been the hardest hit, which we would call you know, speculative uh, names within, you know, innovation, biotech, small cap, IPOs, all those areas could follow a similar path to what the NASDAQ did in the 2000s. Love this comparison because it's something that I've done on the show here for the last six months, comparing this uh, rally and a lot of the growth names to 2000 and just showing those how vicious those rallies were in, in the year 2000 and 2001, 35%, 25%, 41%, 45%. And then we continued to leak and leak and leak after that, almost like death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we still are in the tail of two markets here, though, because there's some valuations that we can compare to 2000, same as some of the Kathy Wood names that we were playing nosebleed valuations for. But when you look, there is a lot of stocks that are actually, from a multiple perspective, P perspective, still fairly cheap. What are your thoughts on, you know, the value names here? So we think we have to be selective within value and the selectivity comes from having a quality bent to things. So it means that we can't just buy, blindly buy the cheapest, let's say cheapest decile of value and, and use those names as, as where we'll get our value exposure. The problem is that cheapest, cheapest decile usually is also sensitive to liquidity. These are the names that have the worst balance sheets, need to raise capital to run their businesses. So we want a little bit more of that middle ground in the quality side of things where we're not paying nosebleed valuations, but we can still uh, uh, we can still get exposure to a stronger economy, expanding earnings. I think the thing that also is really important to remember is that it's easy to look at the growth stocks and say they're such better companies, they deserve these valuations, they outgrow on earnings, better free cash flow, better return on invested capital. But investors need to remember how much these growth companies benefited from the loose liquidity environment. So as real rates went from negative or positive 1% to negative 1% over the course of 2019 through 2021, we saw growth valuations go from 17 times to 33 times. They were huge beneficiaries of loose liquidity, whereas the value names, as you point out, only in that time went from 14 times to 17 times. So as we see that liquidity environment start to unwind, the expectation is valuation value valuations have a lot less to fall and could even expand if we continue to see a strong earnings environment. 
We're on the line with Cameron Dawson. She's a chief market strategist for Fieldpoint. Uh, so let's get to the elephant in the room here, uh, the Fed, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of predictive heights. And, you know, you hear talk. I mean, I read Barron's over the weekend. They're like, oh, well, this is it. The Fed's going to push us too far. We're, we're going to go into a recession. And so before they've even done the initial rate hike, right, they're talking about the Fed, who's underdid it for a long time, overdo it, and pushes us into a recession, which, you know, at this point, you know, the eyeball test doesn't say that. What what are your signs? What are you looking for where the Fed's either way too late, right, mm-hmm. and they're going to d- drive us into a recession? Where do you stand on that? So I think the the starting point is that we don't think that the Fed can go as far as a lot of people are expecting them to go. And that's because of the yield curve. At only 60 basis points, the yield curve has never been so flat uh, without doing some kind of tightening already, meaning raising interest rates. And the yield curve we're quoting here is the twos tens curve. And it really flashes a signal of how tight Fed policy is compared to the underlying economy. And we think we still have room before it becomes too tight or too much. So I call it the the, the Kenny Loggin zone at 30 basis points, which is the danger zone. Once we pass below that danger zone, we think that that's when market volatility really starts to kick up and and become a problem for the Fed, meaning that that the liquidity environment is already becoming too tight for that underlying economy. So I think what happens is we get the rate 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 increases in the first half of this year, but then in the back half of the year we're going to start seeing inflation start to moderate. And what will likely happen is those seven, eight, nine rate increases that are being promoted out right now likely start to get tapered off as we see that inflation begin to moderate. Now, the other important point, though, is the question of at what point does the Fed step in to support this market? We've seen the Fed step in in 2011, 2016, 2018, all in response to the tighter liquidity that they created. And the problem or the difference between today and those environments was that inflation was kind of non-existent. It wasn't a problem in those times. It was actually out or below the Fed's own target. So now with the core PCE at almost 5%, does that back the Fed into a corner to be unable to step in to support markets and pivot to becoming more accommodative because they're having to balance that inflation picture? I think that's a really important consideration for investors who've been thinking that Uncle Powell is going to come in and bail them out with the put that we've seen over and over and over again that's generated these these kind of V-shaped recoveries. So it could be a lot lower and it could be they could be a lot slower to react because of that inflation dynamic. So, so Cameron, do you have a favorite sector here? Forget value versus growth. Do you have a favorite sector? And we'll stick it. We'll stick to the U.S. for now, uh, you know, for the rest of the year. So. Yes. So one of the things we like to have a balance across the sectors, we're long term investors, we're not going to go overweight just one sector. But we think that instead of just being uh, saying we're only going to buy within one sector, again, it's focusing on the quality aspects of all the sectors. We find interesting things within the different sectors. So energy from a relative basis is looking really strong on a relative uh, uh, performance chart. We also see really strong trends within things like real estate. 
the, the industrials don't look all too inspiring from a relative performance trend. We think that's an area where you have to be very, very selective because you can't just blindly buy the sector because you're obviously getting a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different industries. Maybe the UPS numbers today help breathe some life, but the relative trends in that sector have been really weak. The other breakdown that I think is really important to note is the breakdown between consumer discretionary over consumer staples. Uh, this had been in a very strong uptrend of really since the lows of 2020, which showed that there was an appetite for risk on and cyclical exposure over having defensive risk off exposure. That started to break down and it broke down quite meaningfully over the last month or so. So that would tell us that maybe we need to start considering very uh, with discipline, a move to some of the more defensive areas of the market, consider some areas in utilities, as well as staples, even in healthcare. again, with that selectivity of quality, selectivity of valuation, to make sure that we don't get caught flat footed as we continue to move into this tighter liquidity. So the theme for at least the last couple of years has been like to buy the dip, right? And mm -hmm. buy the dip in the U.S. markets here. But uh, you have a, another place where you might be looking for uh, a rebound and nothing's been beat up. And if you want to buy the dip and Alibaba or these Chinese stock, China stocks, uh, what's your take on that? I mean, if you want a diversification out of the U.S., you're looking to buy the dip. There's a big dip here. What What's on uh, your radar uh, for China, stocks like Alibaba, Baidu. So the first point on international and EM stocks is that they remain in confirmed, powerful, unrelenting downtrends versus the U.S. So as a long-term investor, we really want to see that relative trend change show through before we move to a big overweight. Now, we, on a short-term basis, there could be some interesting things happening. So China specifically, we think that China is going to really turn on the taps and stimulus post the Olympics. They couldn't do it before the Olympics, right? Because you have to keep the air clean over Beijing and you have to control COVID. But post the Olympics, they need to get their economy humming before that 20th party Congress for the Chinese Communist Party that comes in October. So in order to do that, we expect to see things like that China M1 money supply growth that's shown on the right chart. That should start to tick up. That's typically very very good for the more cyclical and older economy portions of the Chinese market. Now, for the tech companies, we think we have to be a bit more selective going forward because the last few times that we saw China stimulate, you could kind of blindly buy China and, and, and benefit from the acceleration in the growth. The problem is now that China has pivoted to a much less accommodative stance towards capitalism, towards property rights. So the challenge that investors have within China is that it's it's kind of the Hotel California problem, which is that you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave, right. which means that you have in a, a capital ownership problem. You could have issues with further regulatory crackdowns. So maybe the way to play China's stimulus in a China recovery is in the periphery around China. Those economies like South Korea, Southeast Asia, Australia that benefit from a stronger Chinese economy without having to deal with the property rights issues that have emerged over the past couple of years. Uh, uh, Cameron, uh, we'll let you go, but before we do, the chat wants to know the story behind that Ninja Turtle 
Oh yeah. So so I had the coolest childhood ever. My dad worked on the movies in the early nineties. And so I've been surrounded by the turtles all my life. And I'm I got stuck in Florida because of the of the snowstorm. So here I am in Turtle Land. Oh man. <laughs> That that's a way cooler childhood than I had. All right, uh, <laughs> Cameron Dawson, Chief Market Strategist, Field Point Private. Cameron, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on uh, Pre Market Prep today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Cameron. All right, uh, it Holy is. She that out of the park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she know she knows stuff, man. She knows things. I, she knows I, things. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, I agree. Like with the economic stuff there, like when you're talking and, and the comparisons, I mean. She's spot on on all the analysis. And, you know, you look here and then it, 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 and I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it's, you know, I'm on the fence here. Part of me wants to say, yeah, you know, like it's going to continue. We're in an inflationary environment. And the part of me says, well, if the Fed is going to start to be a little less accommodative, then we're going to have trouble. So it, it's a difficult, difficult market to call here. And that's why you have so much chop and volatility that's happening in this market on a daily basis because the opinions are strong on both sides and we don't know who's right yet. So, you know, we could easily be breaking out and making new all-time highs again and just continuing with the theme that we've continued on for the last decade or it could all change. So, I mean, it's a very difficult market to call, but great analysis by Cameron. Yeah. And diversification. I mean, if, if that's, you know, if anything that, you know, that she taught and stressed, it's, you know, kind of what we talk about looking at the different sectors, the diversification. I mean, the, uh, you know, um, I, what I found was most interesting was, you know, her, her, um, her outlook on China. You know, if, if you're looking to yeah. buy the dip, if yeah. you want that exposure. But yeah. she wants to wait until, and she's so spot on with that analysis too, is I mean, we've done, and we bring up that chart of EEM over the last decade. Nowhere. And I mean, you know, maybe if you want to go FXI, you can go FXI if you want to see pure China. But, you know, I always kind of throw the emerging markets out there. If you go and look at the last decade, I mean, we've went nowhere. I mean, you're in the biggest bull market that we have seen, you know, in the U.S. markets for so long. And, you know, really the Chinese markets and the emerging markets have massively underperformed. So to just come and go heavy overweight there, people have been trying to do that for the last three, four, five years, saying this can be a catch-up trade, and it never comes. So is this the time we're going to have the catch-up trade? But she specifically said, don't go to China, go to the periphery, go to the rest of Asia. So, And maybe that's the play, too. Maybe you avoid yeah. China. But maybe – so and, and again, EEM has a little bit of everything, which is why I true, always pick true, on this one, true, true. as opposed to just going FXI. And, I mean, you can bring up FXI on the same thing, too, Joel. Um, and it has even underperformed the EEM, if I'm not mistaken. So bring up FXI just for comparison purposes. Yeah, so here you are. This is a decade. This is 12, 12 years. In 12 years, the FXI has gone nowhere. In 12 years, the EEM has gone nowhere. In 12 years, the S&P is like 300%. So, I mean, it's massively underperformed. But everybody, every year at the beginning of the year, tries to call a catch-up trade for Asia. It never comes. So I think you take Cameron's way. You need to start to see that relative performance start to happen, like start to see that relative outperformance happen before jumping in here. Because every person that's called this catch-up trade in China or Asia for the last 10 years has been wrong every single year. Is this going to be the year? Well, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me 10 times. I don't want to get fooled the 11th time. I did buy a little bit of uh, emerging markets ETF, but you got to stay diversified. And if you're going all in on China here, it, it's been a difficult trade. 
Yeah, this chart says it all. Okay, let's do some ticker time here. Uh, we had a lot of tickers, and I wrote as many of them down as I could. Let's start with someone that dropped a ticker on uh, in on, on the very top of the show. We were asked about MicroStrategy, MSTR. I saw it, and I wrote it down. So uh, let's pull that chart up. The and... Bitcoin plays are all bouncing right now. So they've oh, all been beat boy, up. This to, is... to, to beat up, Joel, like, I mean, all of these oh. stocks have just been massacred. So twelve thirteen hundred dollars back in twenty twenty one. One year later with three hundred bucks. So they're having whip it wicked little short squeezes, wicked snapback rallies happening right now. And I mean, you can look. We brought up SI already. It was on Kramer last night, so it's getting you know Silvergate. It's getting a big lift there. But I mean, you look at them all. Coinbase, which I own a piece of Coinbase. Um, Mara's having a nice morning here as well. Riot, but give it perspective. All of these things have this been killed. This is killed. So this MSDR has gotten They've just killed. just been killed so much that you know, is this just a dead cap bounce? That's what you got to ask yourself. Going back to Cameron's charts again, even when we're in those growthy markets, we saw forty percent rallies and thirty yeah. percent rallies, and those were tradable rallies too. But the easier trade was shorting the pops as opposed to trying to time those dips. I wonder what their average uh, Bitcoin uh, price is now. I know they bought a lot early, right? That, that's like their strategy, right? Yeah. Well, they, they just announced this morning that last quarter uh, they they bought uh, – no, I'm sorry. Uh, between Last month, January, they bought 660 Bitcoin last month. Um, wow. Uh, they I buy mean, Bitcoin. They are bullish Bitcoin. They're going with Kathy Woods, target of a million dollars in three years or whatever it is. I sold more Bitcoin yesterday, I believe, into the bounce. So, um, no, not more Bitcoin. Sorry, I sold part of my Ethereum. I sold part of my Ethereum yesterday into the bounce. I know. I'm just not a... I, I know, Spencer, you're going to shake your head at me here, but okay, I, no, you, you I'm do, a you big do, fan. You I look you. at it. Go ahead. You say what you. you're gonna say. No, you do you, man. I, you know, we, we all gotta do. We gotta, I sold half of it right at the top, or a third of it right at the top, and then it bounced, and then went actually all the way back down to where I bought it. And now we've had this twenty percent. Like if you bring up the chart of Ethereum, because I can see it, you know, in my holdings, it must have bounced about twenty percent from in the yeah. last couple of days, if I'm not mistaken, on Ethereum. Yes. Yeah. So then that's what I'm selling into. I'm raising cash and stuff that wow, you know, another leg higher. I'm here. a value guy. It just doesn't fit in. All right. My All right we're moving Wait, on. No, no, I just want to throw yeah. one thing in here. And yes, I'm paper hands. I've always admitted Mexican crypt. I am paper what, hands. What do you, what paper do you hands get... saves money and doesn't get killed, though? <laughs> rock, paper, we paper, rock, hands paper, don't scissors. Bag hold. What is it going to take to get this stock back to 900 bucks? Is Bitcoin going to have to go to like 80,000, 90,000? I mean, look at the way this thing, thing kill. I mean, Bitcoin's been hit too. But the levered I, plays on Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, I don't, but you're really, to me, just look at this chart. Look at the price. I haven't looked at this for a long time. I'm thinking, holy mackerel, Bitcoin's going to have to go to 80,000 to get this thing back to 900 bucks. I mean, just. Just looking at the chart, looking at what because big like what Bitcoin hasn't quite get cut in half. I'll just give you a daily number here. It's obviously due for some kind of bounce. The next daily high just for today, I see is three ninety three sixty six, and then you get into the four hundred handle. But Bitcoin is just so look how quiet this is too. I mean, it's going back up. I think it's just a, I think there's the hedgers are out there with all the ETFs and they're doing the cash, they're doing the futures and yeah, it's going to have some moves and maybe it just might ground grind higher. But I think the ARBs are just, just keeping this thing in check, tired, you know, quiet ranges. So next target on Still the day. Pretty is these big three, moves. 
Yeah, bring I guess up the so. Ethereum chart on all that. So I'll tell you why I was doing analysis yesterday. I'll tell you why I sold half because when I'm looking at this, and it was an awesome, and you know, it was very good for me for a long time. I was up 130 percent on it. I bought at 2,000. I sold some at 4,400. But it, oh, you can't see the longer term chart. You know, that's the monthly right there. Yeah, I'll, but the I'll, bottom right corner. I'm like looking for like that's the big well, that's run. the futures. But I'll, I'll get go rid to of the futures. Week. How do we see the actual? Because if Spencer, do you want to bring period? that up? Yeah, 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 I got you. Give me one second. Because yeah. that doesn't show us what you know. I'm nervous about. Well, here, what about I'm nervous that? about is Ethereum a year and a half ago was 200 bucks. Yeah, that's where it was. Let's go to a daily. Yeah. All right. Here we go. This is a. Uh... So so here you go. So go back to a year and a half ago. You Ethereum want... was what a hundred dollars, a hundred and fifty dollars. Then we just went to five thousand. I mean, I'm looking at it at twenty two hundred and saying it still ran up a thousand percent. And I've looked yeah. at so many of these growthy names that have given back a lot of it. And I'm like, could Ethereum go back down to a thousand or five hundred or less? I think it could. So it depends on what environment we're in. But again, to we're not in Oz anymore. I say we're not in Kansas anymore, whatever you want to say. But I just don't want to own nothingness. I don't want to own stocks that aren't, that peas or nosebleed. And you can't even value Ethereum from that. Do I think there's value there? Yes. I don't know how to value it. I'm sitting there. I don't know how to value this. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with it in my portfolio if I don't know how to value it. I kept a small piece of Bitcoin and a small piece of Ethereum, but I brought it down to a, a, a small position as opposed to at one point in time, Ethereum was a large position in my portfolio. That's when I, I sold some, sold some more, still have a small piece so to participate, so to speak, in Ethereum and Bitcoin. But I'm just, I'm a value guy. It's the way I invest. All right, we unfortunately did not cover nearly any of the tickers that I wrote down. I wrote a lot of them down, like NVIDIA and Sony and Square and Affirm and Palantir and Shopify and Facebook. They're all the same. I'll cover them all right now. (laughs) They're all getting wicked dead cat bounces. Nosebleed, not NVIDIA maybe. And I'm long Square. So full disclosure, I'm still long my Square. I did not sell that. I actually got that almost at the low. Um but you know, I I think Sony. I I think it depends on your own portfolio. It depends on your time frame. But don't think you got to chase here. This is what I want to say: is don't think everybody's coming in, and there's so many people that are saying I've missed it, I've missed it, I've missed it, and they're beating their head down. I just watched the stock square like rally twenty percent in two days. I can't believe I missed it, and they're pounding. There's always another train ready to leave the station. There'll always be another opportunity, and in this market. I think you'll even get an opportunity on those names that you're beating yourself up for missing right now. The okay. worst thing you can do right. is chase something and pay up 25 after it's rallied 25% in two days. This is the recipe to lose money in this market. So that that's all I can give you. I can't give you the recipe to make money every single day, but I sure as hell can give you the recipe to lose it. And if you're chasing 20% moves all the time, in the long run, you're going to lose money doing that. Because if anyone knows about that, it's Dennis. I'm just kidding. All right, I just want—I got to hop here. I just want to say <laughs> I've done everything wrong before it's too. So I just—I just want experience, man. You're looking—you're looking at that—that that, that pre-market high, and I, I'm seeing this 45, 14, 50. If in fact we take out the pre-market, I—I don't see any resistance for a long time. I, and I know it's a 50%. I know I'm just saying you're getting into an area here. This is right before I, I, I went away. I mean, there's just, there's no, look at your dailies, respect your daily highs. That's it. I got to hop. Spencer, I'll, I'll catch yeah. up with you later on. 
All right, we got to hop as well because live trading with Benzinga is starting in a couple of minutes. So what I did was I sent, I copied all the tickers that I wrote down from the chat today, and I sent them over to our live trading crew. They will talk about them. Sony, Affirm, Novavax, Palantir, Shopify, Lee, uh, AMD, Facebook, Fubo, Fox, Unity. I wrote them all down, um, and they're going to discuss those tickers on live trading with Benzinga coming up next. So thanks to our guest today. Cameron Dawson, thanks to all of you in our chat. Most of you, thanks to most of you in our chat for 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 behaving. A couple of you, no, I don't know about that. Uh, we we had our fingers on the ban button today uh, for good reason. All right, uh, hit that like button for me, please. I'd appreciate uh, the the more likes uh, we get, the better we do in the eyes of YouTube. I appreciate all likes. Uh, hey, while you're at it, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We appreciate that as well. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or training advice. Catch our podcast, as always, on whatever podcast platform you, you use, even Spotify. Yes, we're on Spotify, uh, unlike some people. And, uh, yeah, pro.benzinga.com, as always, free two-week trial. Check it out. Cannot recommend that enough. And uh, got to hop. So live trading with Benzinga starting momentarily. Everyone have a great Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And uh, good luck. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.